Voice of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. It is Thursday night, and you know what that means. Drinks are, you call it, the bar is open here in the Green Dragon Tavern on the air. And my guest cohort, uh, my, my merry band of miscreants are entering in here. And man, I am, I am looking at the, uh, the 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 roster of guys that are coming into the live studio right now we are getting swamped goodness gracious uh but welcome 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 to the folks who are uh regulars regular patrons here in the bar and uh those of you who may be joining us for the very first time we are definitely going to have a good time tonight and uh, this is, of course, the live podcast. It is completely 100% uncensored, certainly unscripted, because nobody, none of my uh, myself or anyone else in here, I don't even think we would be able to follow a script, even if we were uh, told to. But, <laughs> uh, but anyhow, with that being said, I will say this. I will say this. We... Always, always, every Friday morning when I look at the stats, because I'm an, a numbers guy and, you know, I, I uh, in, in true non-commissioned officer fashion, true non-commissioned officer uh, who <laughs> has uh, spent some time in some some fairly elite units and, uh, you know, and, and several of the other guys in here know exactly what I'm talking about. You have a very high standard for performance. And so, you you know, you look at those numbers, you look at those metrics of performance. And when something isn't, you know, meeting the standard, you know, you, you got to you, you gotta uh, do some things to, to raise that bar. So, you know, I pay very careful attention to all that to make sure that we are uh, meeting the standard, meeting your standard, exceeding the standard, because meeting the standard is not good enough. Got to exceed that standard, right? Those, those rookie numbers. We're going to pump those up. And I can say that every Friday morning, every Friday morning, when I check the stats, it's this podcast, right? It's this podcast. I don't mean Radio Contra in general, which always does well, but Sons of Liberty, we, we just, it has this unique dynamic and it really clicks with people. 
Uh, they really, really like it. So, um, you know, anyhow, with that said, we're, we're always like in the top five, uh, in the top five. And so, of course, we're, we're still being censored. We're still being shadow banned uh, by Podbean, of course, because we talk about all the naughty stuff, right? We talk about all the naughty stuff that you ain't supposed to be talking about. But, um, you know, we do it kind of in a unique way on the show but you know i mean that is what it is it's all part of the dynamic you know when we weren't shadow banned we were number one number one right shooting to the top every single time and we're beating out these milk toast you know the sean hannity's and the glenn becks of the world like these, these milk toast guys that you know they just want you angry enough to tune in next week and that ain't what you get on this show okay that ain't what you get on this show you know I want you angry enough to where you're out training and organizing. And you're going to say, we ain't taking this laying down. We ain't taking this laying down. And so, you know, it's, to me, it's a huge point of validation seeing that. And of course, you know, the other, um, the, the other cool thing about all that is, you know, seeing the podcasting stats. So, uh, the interview with Chris Weatherman, Angry American, right? The interview with Clay Martin that went up yesterday. You know, those shows getting more than a thousand downloads in a very short amount of time, in less than eight hours. That is insane. That is insane. And a huge, huge amount of validation for this audience. You know, all of you out there should be very, very proud of that because I know I am, but but really I'm proud of this community. I'm proud of what we're able to accomplish and what we're continuing to accomplish. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about some of that tonight, of course. Uh, you know, this is the Once Upon a Time in Mexico edition. We're going to be talking about some of the, the latest developments with the low-intensity conflict, which is unfolding right across our border. So just to our southern border, if we even really have uh, a southern border. And that's that's a pretty interesting question. We're going to be talking about specifically the conflict that's unfolding, some of the, the facts behind it, um, you know, the the kind of our, our take on it. You know, everybody in here is a combat vet, uh, save for Patriot Man, but, you know, he's he's been through enough classes where he's, he's kind of got an opinion as well. So we're going to be talking about all that. Um, of course, that is also going to be addressing the situation with the House Speaker. Uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the guy that nobody ever wanted. We're going to be talking about him and getting some of the guys' takes on all of that in here as well because this is uh, pretty doggone important, right? Pretty doggone important. And I do not think, by the way, I do not think, and we're going to be diving into this, I do not think that these two things are mutually exclusive from one another. Um, they definitely have a um, copacetic effect on one another, where one is certainly going to have a spillover effect on the other. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. It's going to be a damn good show on top of that. So first, in the shoot, stand in the door, Mr. Risky Krisky. What's up, brother? Not much, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Doing well. Sipping a uh, Samuel Smith's brown ale. 
which is the original brown ale. It is the old Tadcaster, and uh, it's it's quite lovely. How about yourself? I had a few uh, blue moons at dinner with the fam, and I'm just uh, having my nice pot of coffee. Nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> the dad the life. Pot, the whole pot of coffee. I will go. I'm going to tell you, man. So, uh, talking about coffee, and this is 100% unsolicited. I have no affiliation with the company whatsoever. But um, a certain coffee roaster company down in Florida, um, old stocking mill, um, very, very, uh, very good stuff. I have a five-pound bag of their product over here. And I will say this, um, I have an espresso machine. And uh, I, have, I have an espresso machine at home because I'm a coffee snob. And... Um, Cause I, I am, you know, good coffee's got to be, got to be black. Don't put anything in it. Put it through that espresso machine. You got some, you got some good coffee. Um, you know, make it in a mocha pot. You know, Latin American style in a mocha pot. You can get a mocha pot for like seven bucks. You know, they're, they're dirt cheap. Make some of the best coffee you've ever had. And uh, stocking mill coffee. So I've got it's a five pound bag of it here, and it's the Swamp Fox coffee. If you grind it up fine. Grind it up fine and put it in a mocha pot. You're going to have some of the, I mean, it's going to knock your socks off, man. It's, it's good stuff. And, uh, the, the owner of stock mill. So, you know, they're all veterans. It's a really, really good company. They have a big following on social media too, but the owner, the owner followed me today, um, and is getting into communications. So, um, you know, bright things might be on the horizon. So it's hundred percent again, hundred percent unsolicited, yeah. not saying nothing, uh, one way or the other. Just saying, man, that it's it's good to have friends. Um, it is good to have friends, and um, um, you know, and and y'all know the folks that have trained with me out there. Y'all know I'm big on the coffee. Gotta got you know, gotta have good coffee. Life is too short to drink shitty coffee. You know, we couldn't and... be on farther ends of the spectrum. I'm like the um, basic bitch of the coffee world. Like I got an espresso <laughs> machine. I'm mixing half and half and creamer. I'm frothing it up, and I mean, I'm having oh, like two or three of the pods tonight. I don't care. I'm so full. I'm a basic bitch. I need to be a target without. Oh, that's right cool. Now. That's cool. That, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. I drink it black. I, I, you know, but I'm telling you, um. Drink, drinking it, drinking it the basic white girl style is, it's not for me, but you know, it's, that's okay, man. I ain't, I ain't going to dunk on you for it. I get it. I get it. I'm at a point in life where I accept it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we just had a comment. Uh, We just had a comment in here. We got a lot of comments, but uh, we just had one. That says risky is the best YouTube channel or the best channel on YouTube. Can't change my mind. Uh, thank you. Setting the bar low. Nice. <laughs> I don't even watch my channel. It's so bad. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. That's uh, dude. It's hey, you're you're. 
You're making a difference, sir. You're making a difference. You're making all those little Instagram LARPing kids who are all into CQB now. Right? They want to do CQB. They want to do CQB. They want to do CQB. They're all CQB experts. The new yeah. thing is to trash the the footwork. So if the now yeah. the thing to do is to trash CQB footwork for some reason. I don't know um, where that came from. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I I wrote an article about footwork, like no shit, like three years ago about foot, you know, and I, I teach that in class, but it's not CQB footwork. Like, I, yeah. what the fuck is that? Ready for a fight footwork. What, what is like, we've it's reached like a point, the, uh, man. Is, what is it, Orion? They were trash. I think they were getting the uh, the heat from guys because they did the video with Grand Thumb talking about footwork, and I think that's where it originates from. Oh, yeah. See, yeah, that, that's the thing, man. No, there is nothing original anymore. So they're just, people are just throwing shit at the wall. Like, they're, they're making up terms. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. There, and, and it's all coming from guys who are just trying to cash in. Like, it's, it's all of this. You know, and, and what, what's really funny is, like, all, all the little fucking gun gamer kids, like the ones that were playing Call of Duty a month ago, and, you know, like, mommy gave them enough allowance to, to go buy a gun. And, and all of a sudden, they're, like, they're experts on everything. Um, God, just... It's so bad. Um, it's so bad. I a couple of people have sent over some of the videos that, that have come from over there of, of some of these cats, and it's it's so bad. It's so, like I I just can't. I'm like you know on one hand people are like well at least they're out there doing something. Like here's the deal. Okay, rant rant inbound, rant inbound, and then we'll we'll get on with with introductions tonight. Um. Like, yes, training's important, okay? Getting out to the range is important. Getting off the square range, like square range and KD training, known distance training, all that stuff's really important. Go back and listen to the Clay Martin interview that, that we did two days ago. Go back and listen to that in its entirety, and we talk a lot about all this, all right? But here's, here's the deal. You're getting out and training, but if you're not training with somebody who knows exactly what the fuck they're doing, Okay, I, I'm dead serious here. If if you're training with somebody who, you know, like, okay, what's your level of experience in this? And I, I'm dead serious when I say that. What is your level of experience? Like, point to a time when you have done this. Okay, so, all right. Teaching somebody how to do the basics of a firearms handling? All right, fine, whatever. Like, anybody can do that. But once you go beyond that, when you're talking about, you know, things that actually fucking matter, what what is your documented experience? And so if it's, you know, fucking, you know, Tommy Call of Duty player over here who is getting together with like three other jackasses that look like they just got out of high school and, you know, they, they frame up a little plywood house and fucking kicking in doors. If you're calling that training, I'm sorry, you need adult supervision, okay? I have been on many, many ranges, as I know everybody else in here, and, in, in, you know, my co-hosts here have, 
we've cleared a lot of rooms and as professional soldiers and still getting our asses ringed, right? Day in, day out, until it's done perfect, until it's absolutely done perfect. Getting trained by people who have done this, right? Have documented experience doing it. So, no, you know, and, and yeah, I am. I'm really, really jaded on a lot of the community out there, the larger community, because they're just making shit up. Like they, they're making shit up. It's not based in anything. It's not based in any kind of reality. Right. And the, the, it's, it's all circular. And when these little retard gun gamers jump in here and they think that they're going to, they, they think they're, they actually think, right. It's, it's really delusional. They think that they, they're going to accomplish something like you, you need adult supervision. You need somebody to train with that, that can give you a context, give you actual feedback of like, Hey, jackass, clear your corners, right? Go to your points of domination, things like that. You know, Hey, don't flag the back of your buddy's head when you're, when you're breaching the door. Right. You know, simple things like that, simple things like that. And and yes, those are all takeaways from a stupid ass video that I saw. Right. And it's, it's, and, and yes, this is very pointed at some specific stuff. Right. Say someone specific in, in, in particular. And then you're going to you're you're going to get a little bit of clout right? my, my social media clout. What, what is that? Like, what's that based in? I mean, what the fuck? Like, what is that? Uh, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, they're uh, they, they think they know better than guys that have done this professionally and made a career out of it. You know, and bore the brunt of it and bore the consequences of it. And, and by the way, I might add, who are training others to not make those same mistakes, right? You think you know better. Right? You think you know better. You think you know every damn thing. And you ain't never been shot at. You ain't never, you, you, you haven't even, you don't even know what a fucking warning order is. And you're going to have the audacity to tell people, Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is, this is how I do it because I saw in this one video. Blah, blah. You know, and, and when you apply that to anything in all of this, right, anything, you pick, pick anything, tactical medicine, communications, right, any of this stuff, you don't know jack shit, right? You don't know jack shit. You don't know jack shit until life kicks you in the dick, until a two-way range freaking breaks your, breaks your ass off, and your buddy is sitting there freaking flayed out, right? And you got to do something about it. I mean, it, it just, to me, it, it is, it's infuriating, right? It's absolutely infuriating. And yeah, as, as a civilian, uh, somebody in the comments scene been shot at twice as a civilian. Yeah, uh, I had somebody pull a gun on me at a gas station in broad daylight, uh, broad daylight. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into the circumstances there um, because it was... It started out as a conflict between two other guys about a gas pump. And then that guy pulled a gun on the other one as he was driving off. And it was kind of like a show of force kind of deal. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I don't want to get too deep into it. But then the guy pointed at me. It, it is what it is, right? But, um, you know, as, as a civilian, yeah, you're going to be thrown into these situations probably more often than not. Uh, than, than people in combat, like actual, like going to a, de a deployed zone, 
I mean, that's the reality of it. Like anybody that runs around telling you, oh, yeah, man, we, 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 gunfights every day, you know, stuff. Nah, nah, man, that's not really, that ain't really how it goes. Um, you know, it, it's just not, man. Uh, but anyway, where I'm going with all that is, is that when you're talking about whatever the given topic is, like there, there are some, uh, some outstanding cops out there that have taught CQB, um, you know, that, that aren't really offering it to the public, but it's just guys that I know, uh, that, that do the, the contracted classes and kind of that end of the world. And man, like they, they're awesome. And what's really cool about that is, and, and I'm going to give a quick, uh, shout out to Don shift and his books, uh, from, you know, his, his perspective as, as a career cop, uh, out in California that you know that's realistic like that's that's civilian side stuff and those those are things that you know you you might get rolled up in um you know so there's a lot to be learned there there's a hell of a lot to be learned there so um you know don't don't get stuck thinking too that like only dot mill guys can teach specific things because that's that's not necessarily accurate either um you know i don't know it's but again if if your idea of training is, you know, bullshitting with your buddies for a little while and posing in front of the cameras. You know, you you need to adjust fire because uh, you are wrong. You are very wrong. Um, you need to be linking up with somebody who knows what they're doing and who, you know, has those bona fides can say, hey, you know, I, I did this. I can point to a time when I did this. And if you can't do that, if you can't point to a time where you did it, where you actually did it and saw that it worked and got that validation where it was kind of unexpected, you need to go, go be training with somebody who has, I mean, that's, that's just real world. That's, that's literally the, the best way that I can say it. Um, so, you know, anyway, but ran off, um, ran off. I thought about earlier today, I was working on uh, book number two, uh, the signals intelligence book, and that is coming right along. And I think everybody's going to really, really enjoy, um, the direction that this thing is headed and how it's unfolding. It's, it's going to be really cool. But I was thinking about recording a podcast where I was, I was literally breaking that down. You know, some of these, like these fantasy land guys that are out there where it's just like, you know, kid, get out of mommy's basement, like get out of mommy's basement and get out in the real world for a little while. And hey, you know, if 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 this is your game and this is what you're going for, there's plenty of instructors out there, plenty of instructors out there um, that I know that I, I can name off that offer great, great stuff. You know, if, if that's your thing. I mean, I'm one of them, but there's a lot. Right. There's a lot of guys. So uh, anyway, anyway, uh, with that said, moving down the line. My partner in crime, Madman Actual. What's up, brother? We're, we're white collar crime, right? Or blue collar? I can't remember. I'm blue collar. I'm blue collar all day, every day. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I was uh, Just... I was reveling in that idiotic uh twitter spat from earlier <laughs> i was like oh yeah you know, you know. It's, uh, 
Well, you encryption dumb. solves all your problems, right? All of them, apparently. Look, yeah, I mean, just totally trust the encryption. That's the thing, like, I, I was going to explain to him, like, how that encryption works and how, like, yeah, it's good. Like, they won't be able to hear what you're saying, but somebody can, somebody can crack that encryption. AES isn't uh, impervious. If you use it on a radio, it, it's signal and signal analysis and, and then somebody can figure it out and there's plenty of super nerds around that can do it i can't do it because i've well, never studied it and, and done it but i know it can the be done the thing is is that you know with people like you just cut them off the knees and just move on because there's no point um yeah. you're not gonna get any they're, they're not clearly wasn't no no but the thing is is uh i pulled up what was interesting is is that like like most of your Instagram LARPer crowd, they actually don't know jack shit about anything that they're talking about. They just spit out buzzwords because it's all they know. Um, the what was referenced in there, and this is really important to point out here. And uh, we're gonna be doing a podcast on this tomorrow, right? Yeah, doing it tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, but. The, the equipment that was referenced uh, in that little uh, whatever that was with that guy, what, what he was talking about using was surplus P25 radios, uh, specifically a make and model of radio that is well known for having some severe hardware and uh, software issues built into it. We used those for a short amount of time. Uh, as a inner team radio when they were new to the market uh, over a decade ago. Um, and when I say we, the, the unit that I was in at the time, and uh, they had all sorts of problems with them. Um, but, but that's why they got, they ended up getting dumped. And that's why a lot of them are on the surplus market. You can find them on eBay. So there's a lot of guys out there that, that advocate buying uh, surplus police radios. Um, and, you know, because they think they know everything about everything. Let me uh, pull up something here from September 10th, 2011. So, you know, what it, this year it's 2023. So we're talking almost 12 years ago now. And it is titled Security Researchers Crack APCO 25 Encryption. Oh, oh, oh. Devil's in the details here, of course, because that prompts a question of, you know, what type of encryption. And, uh, there's different standards out there. There's DES, ADP, uh, AES, right, which is kind of commonly known as the gold standard. But here you go. I mean, we're, we're talking uh, 12 years ago here. Two Australian security researchers, Stephen Glass and Matt Robert, have published a paper, a white paper, that details flaws in the encryption implementation, and I have the PDF here of it, in the APCO Project 25. For all of you that, that don't speak uh, public service radio lingo, that is uh, P25. That's what most of your public service radio equipment is going to be operating on. And by the way, by the way, in case you didn't know, and this is why you tune in to us and not uh, random jackasses from fucking Instagram. Um, P25 and DMR are part of the same system. One is a child of the other. 
right? They they had a each have a specific application. Okay, um, they're very very similar in how they work, right? So the paper details flaws in DES, OFB, and ADP encryption that enable the key to be recovered by traditional brute force key search. Also detailed is a denial of service attack that makes use of unauthenticated radio inhibit mechanism, right? So what that means is, is that they can kill it remotely. The research is part of the OP25 project, which uses a GNU radio. Uh, so that was kind of SDR before SDR to implement a P25 attack using a software defined radio. With this solution in place, the researchers were able to do a detailed analysis of the traffic coming from various radio systems and to transmit and receive to P25 radios in their lab. I say again, date on that target is September 10th, 2011. So bottom line, folks. If you're of the mindset that you're going to be using surplus whatever, right, that's a bad idea, okay? That is a bad idea. Whatever buzzwords that, you, that some, some asshole living in mommy's basement wants to use, talking about how, oh, this is so secure. No, sorry. Wrong answer, buddy. Try again. Now, if you want to learn how to do it the correct way and you want to learn how to do it right and you want to learn how to do it based on proven techniques from some folks who did this for a living, targeting people, targeting, yes, I said it, targeting, meaning I'm going after guys who were doing it the wrong way, right? I got some photos of folks that didn't make it who were doing it the wrong way, right? Been there, done that. Got the bona fides. If you want to learn it the right way, talk about how to do that in detail, step by step by step in the Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio. Yep, that's right. A $25 radio can be configured to use a digital protocol, several of them, 126 of them to be exact. And you can use that to do a heck of a lot of interesting things. So if you're coming at me with your teacup full and you don't want to learn, don't be upset when you get the wrong side of me. Anyhow. Here, here. <laughs> what say you, Mr. No Such Agency Man? No, it's pretty spot on, man. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, like, don't get me wrong, I, I get that encryption is cool, but when you're talking about getting surplus anything... Um, just keep in mind that it's surplus for a reason. They don't use it anymore for a reason. Yep. Um, and P25 and DMR both were developed by Motorola, partly. Um, you know, there's a couple others with DMR. But, uh, yeah, when the same company develops two different technologies, of course they're going to use similar uh, methods, you know, especially with digital stuff, with digital radio stuff, you know, it's like they're not going to redo everything. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, that guy, you know, guys like that, they just they don't know what they don't know, but they're really confident in what they do know. So, those guys are pretty dangerous. 
not in a good way. Right. Um, th- I mean, you hit the nail on the head, really. Like, you know, just, uh, well, like you pointed out, like, and both of us pointed out to a few people, like, I don't need to mathematically break your encryption to find you and, and figure your password out another way. Um, right. Cause the end goal I mean, is if you're talking same, about a radio you know? that, that transmits a couple of miles at the most, like at the most, I don't care what you're saying. If, if you have no radio discipline and, and you know, they don't like I, I've run into these guys, they, they don't have any radio discipline. Um, okay game on buddy uh it's it's literally Uh, that easy um i don't know man it's you know i have a whole host of equipment stone cold it's stone cold but i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna tip your cards and you know and somebody's looking for you to tip your cards yeah you know you you're done yeah. Speaking of Johnny exactly. Paratrooper, hey, Johnny Paratrooper. Hey, buddy, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> uh, brush Beater Actual, this is Green Dragon Actual. Uh, how do you read over? Lima Charlie. Ah, Lima I'm Charlie. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, man, somebody was hawking some poison on the net, huh? That's oh crazy. yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. My surprised face. Well, you know, but that's the thing. Um yeah. <laughs> the the internet being what it is and everybody's an expert and you know, you can you can do whatever you you I mean, I can do whatever I want. Right? Yeah. Uh, qualifications not required. Uh, so, you know, hey, it is what it is. Hey, I've qualified. So, uh, I'm sure somebody else here has too. Yeah, I absolutely. Qualified. I've absolutely qualified. <laughs> uh, so many times. In fact, when you tell somebody to qualify, I was the guy that had to show oh, the new guys what a qualify was. Hey, look at how long you can do it. That's for. how good I was at qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. It's always nice when other people know what the fuck I'm talking about when I say that. Uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're brothers, man. Uh, yeah. I believe you yeah. were from uh, one kitty. Yeah, uh, I think we have a lot more Sex in common than, than we may even realize, dude. I think I might have been. <laughs> you you weren't in. Just start making out now, please. Get it over. With. I have coffee. Man, that's uh no, but that that's a good unit, man. I think they're in Poland right now, or at oh, least yeah. some of them are. Oh yeah, my old unit is in Poland. There's a picture. Yeah, I've been rehearsing this speech with, for like three weeks. With Biden in the picture, and he's looking at him, just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, for sure. You weren't in Charlie by any chance, were you? No. Okay. I was an alpha. Nice. All right. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's a tack company where we're from, brother. Yes. <laughs> Attack company, fall in. It's keep, like, keep going, guys. I'm almost yeah. there. I'm almost there. Just keep going. <laughs> we were monster company. That's what they called us. <laughs> you gotta, man. You 
you seize the airfield and then you start landing tanks and marines and everybody and sfs running around and speaking SAS of marines up and it's crazy dude speaking crazy. of marines are are one marine in here are one marine in the house who's been waiting tactically patiently the man the myth the legend behind tactical wisdom mr joe delio himself bayonet actual entering the net <laughs> I read you loud and clear over. I was just listening to the uh, to the homoerotic army talk going on and thinking, thank God my parents were both married to each other and I didn't have to join the army. So, right, you I would know. respond if I could hear you. Right, I actually Whoa. his his mic sounds better for on my end tonight. It's way we got We got to get Joe Dolio on mic. Well, I've got a yeah. mic, but I'm on my phone, and that's what's retarded. So, it, it, yeah. hey, hey, try it without the mic, because right now the way I'm sounding, I'm talking just through my phone, which is why I'm muting and constantly unmuting, so you don't hear background noise. But I'm just talking through my phone right now. No mic, no nothing, no. So am I, but I, I don't know how to hook my mic up to my phone. Oh, okay. Well, that's a problem. So, functionally retarded. But I did figure something. <laughs> um, you know that that one it's guy funny. we both know who insists that I'm going to train his Bosque separatists on uh, high risk security <laughs> operations. Yes. But demands that I do it with AK-47. Uh, I was upset that I was going to have to buy all this new gear in order to carry AK mags. But our boy Alpha Charlie, um, yeah, round AK mags fit just fine in my 5.56 gear that he sent me. So. Yes, they do. Yes, they so, do. I'm going to be using 20 rounders because I don't care. Uh, well, I don't have to buy new gear for this project. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, I, uh, I was literally just having this conversation, like, right now, as you guys were going back and forth. Uh, a friend of mine was looking for Hungarian 20-round mag, uh, mags. And I uh, told him that Gun Mag Warehouse has the steel 20 rounders that actually perform. Yeah, they, they actually perform really well. And, um, you know, the the Hungarian ones are, are kind of like non-existent now. But those ones from Gun Mag Warehouse are actually really, really nice. And he, he's like, you know, I'm looking for them. I got a handful of them now. But I, I really like doing. Yeah. Yeah. He um he he just uh he was doing some stuff uh some vehicle stuff and um uh you know entry egress uh you know moving into the wood line from a vehicle do, doing some stuff around a vehicle uh him, him and his guys and those 20 round AK mags and and the AK is kind of their their weapon of choice too for their operating environment and um dude those 20 round mags rock for the AK, they they really really do, and and a lot of people don't know that that they fit in a uh, in an AR pouch, pretty doggone well. And you don't really need the extra ten rounds if you've got enough mags. So, um, and if you're doing things right, right. This is great info. If you're doing security ops, you're not you're not there for the fight, right? The fight is is secondary to what else you're there for. And I'll tell you, having spent some time in the contracting world. The AK was the was the vehicle weapon of choice because of the folding stock. Uh, yep. The AR usually doesn't have, and the AK does. 
And if I get stranded out of my outside of my vehicle in downtown Baghdad, I could probably find an AK magazine long before I can find an AR magazine. So I've been working the AR for a while, but I just I didn't I mean the AK for for years, but I didn't have I didn't actually have one here. And now uh, now that that situation's changed and we're working up a training program for a bunch of dudes with them, I decided I'm going to invest in a bunch of uh, 20 rounders for that very reason. I'm just used to my setup and where all my stuff is, and I don't want to have to change it all. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Idea. I mean, it's like <clears throat> it's it's like uh, going from uh, one handgun to another. You know, yeah. you, you, with your gear, like your your individual fighting load, you need to be getting a lot of trigger time wearing that thing and actually wearing it in. Like, cause it, the fabric itself has a break in period on it. You need to get that thing good and dirty. And, um, you know, and, and once you get used to, cause the whole point of the fighting load is, is one to be able to fight in it. And two, it, it's carrying your ammunition. Like these guys that put like every doggone thing on their chest rigs, uh, you know, the more, you know, the less you carry as, as the legendary, uh, Morris Kachansky used to say, uh, in the bushcrafting world. And um, the same is true on chess rigs, man. You know, it, it's yeah, no. go light with that. Your, your supporting gear can be put on your body in different ways, you know, but but your chess rig for for being able to do reloads, that's its primary purpose. And you just also can't stack so much on it like a lot of the guys do. Because I want to be able to get low to the ground. I was I was about to say that. That's why I prefer the the split front chest rigs because I'm able to split that shit wide. You know, if unless I'm moving into a spot where I know I'm I, my goal is to initiate contact, I have my rally point. I have my pack there. I have a couple bandoliers there. I got extra mags there. I want to be able to get as low to the ground as possible so that. I'm covered, I'm hiding, I'm able to engage. If whatever reason I fucked up and they initiate an engagement on me, I can get as low as possible and get the fuck out of there. That's why I like, kind of like the to, LC2 Alice kit. To add to Patriot Man's point and everyone else's, uh, anything split front, whether it's like a Carhartt vest or, or something, you can actually, if you're doing a long movement in the winter, you can actually like everybody blow just it all out of a sudden and, and vent the heat from your from your uh, from your. Bunker. You're right. Yeah, that's a great point, JP. Absolutely. Yep, good stuff. I mean, I carry. I don't do the old LC two like we were just talking about, but I I have I have kind of a old school belt setup, right? So I've got like. It's a Marine thing versus an Army thing. I still carry two canteens and a butt pack because I've been stuck in places. And I like to have my stuff with me, but I'm not going to carry it on my chest. And I'm not going to rely on someone else to bring it to me. So I go a little heavier on the belt than I do on the chest. And the nice thing, too, about... Yeah, that makes sense. Like, when I when I think about layering gear, right? So if I'm running a, um, a, a plate carrier, which I'm only doing for very specific purposes, right? Either I'm at a static position, maybe I'm in a vehicle and vehicle-mounted, um, or in the era of last resort, I have to do some kind of CQB, right? Otherwise, I want to move as fast as possible. I have that completely slick so that the split front can go over it. So that all of a sudden we take contact and I'm running 
and I feel like I have to get the fuck out of there even quicker, I can split front the rig, swing out one shoulder, quick release on the fucking chest, uh, the, the plates, throw that shit away, and then be that much faster running. So that's the other reason why I prefer the split front. So I got the LC2 um, with the idea. I got it from... hook my hammer loop or whatever I got, you know, my drill or something, I'd be able to do that and, and just use my LC2 and like keep my mags on me. So kind of like a multi-purpose equipment utility belt thing. That's kind of the idea I had. Uh-oh. Back. You just Y'all lost me. I, I can hear you. Yeah, like like thirty seconds. We lost you. Yeah, I mean, I can. Oh, I heard shit. him the whole time, but I'm dropping other people. I'm experiencing mm. power out outages in my area. Yeah, it could be something like that. Yeah. Oh, no. Stop, because uh, I heard Scout try to well, cut in and say, "Is everyone muted?" So I don't know if he's uh, if he's copying us right now. I don't know. But if everyone, it looks like everybody can hear me. Um, to reiterate, I got the LC2 kit because I can kind of like put some tool hanging stuff on there. So if I have to go build a G camp in the woods, I can keep my LC2 kit on with my mag holders and also hold my drill and my axe or whatever the hell I got going on. And that was kind of the idea behind that. Yeah, the, uh, idea. the ability to slap together a camp in the woods is a game changer. You don't need much, and power right. tools power tools can do quite a bit if you're efficient with them. Yeah, I mean, I was just building that chicken castle, and uh, yeah, I saw our bro with the with his tool suspenders and belt, and I was like, "That's such a good idea." I like so. Yeah, that was my inspiration. Hell yeah. But I have other stuff, obviously, for like, you know, when I know I'm not going to be building anything. But so if it gets terrible. Madman, you, you've seen my Pioneer's kit. I, I got a shovel, a saw. I can stake stuff the together. Daniel bag? I can chop. Yeah, it's like, man, you, you could go yeah, to the that's woods. A nice... and you, could, you could build a whole house, dude. You could build a whole mm -hmm. house. 100%. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, I got some other stuff. I got the chest rigs and um, I got the plate carrier and whatnot. Actually, not anymore. We shot the shit out of that thing. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> I got to get a new chest rig. Those, um, those, plate, those steel plates did okay, though. I was, I, I'm not sure. It seems like half the time I test steel plates, they either make it or they don't. I don't know. Um. Those would be great if you like shoved them in your door. But the the spalling though is the number one problem with steel. Absolutely. Plates. So <laughs> yeah, it's not even an option really. But those plates held up to all the penetrators we launched at it. I mean, we shot yeah. some pretty hot stuff at it from like twenty five yards. Well, Scout and yeah. I did that I mean, article like, where we an AR into it. 
Yeah, we, we, we did a test where we grabbed, you know, your average Condor rig, which is what a lot of, you know, entry-level preppers are going to have. And I got your steel steel plates with spalling cover. And we were down at, down at the uh, the G camp, and we shot that only a couple of times. And the spalling that came out the top, that would have destroyed what was your yeah, the, shin. The spalling What's, is why you can't see anymore, and you lost half your face, and you're yeah. bleeding from the brachial now. Like, oh yeah, did yeah. It spall as much if it was shot by a sig spear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they if if sig, yeah, if, if sig could get past all the QC issues and they can turn out, I don't know where they're going to get all this ammo from that, that's going to be required. I, I, uh, I the two seventy seven uh, sig fury. Yeah, it's. I I, mean, I think like, look, the gun man, is interesting, man. I I I'm not. It is. It is. It, it. So you've heard about the chamber. You reload. I'm new to reloading, but the max chamber pressure I think is really interesting. And China just really announced that they're like trying to develop a hypersonic rifle or some shit. And I was like, you know, I think we just adopted one. To be honest. Um, uh, I I don't know though. I don't know. I and I I agree with the pros and the cons. And, and we already tried, like Mechmatic said, we already tried the big gun thing with the M14. Yeah. Didn't go well. The FAL, the G3. You know, what did everyone end up adopting? Yeah. Well, I mean, times are right. different. Guys are like really strong and in shape and athletic and like just well-fed like and now, taking unlike before right so well-fed taking steroids <laughs> yeah high tested yeah that just doesn't that doesn't seem like the contemporary military that's um i don't know i don't know man oh it's, i was talking about the chinese military genetically engineered you no. know perfect vitamin and protein uh, routine. I don't know, man. It, just, um, what, what it seems like to me, like the simplest explanation of it all, is it's the Mick run amok. It, it's it's contracting money run amok. It is no no adult supervision. And the reality is, um, I was uh, talking about this with somebody uh, who is a government contractor in the communications field. And I was discussing this with them, uh, not that long ago, uh, just a couple of days ago, talking about a, a specific system that, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about in the book that is being fielded now. Um, and it, it's because everybody right now, everybody is still trying to get in, like everybody in the contracting world is trying to get in on that GWAT money still. Right. And it, it's, it's even worse now than it was. Cause like during the global war on terror, DOD just threw money at whoever, like they, they guys would be inventing problems. Like every, uh, uh, project manager's office would just be inventing problems that don't even exist. Like it's just stuff that they dreamed up. Right. And they're just throwing things at the wall and saying, Hey, we want a solution to this because the, the project manager's office is in bed with all the contractors. And so that's kind of like a dirty secret about how like the kickbacks, because it's all real. Like that, that stuff is all real. And, um, they're, they're still trying to do that. 
And right now they're saying like, oh, you know, like the big pushes, it's going to be war with China and, you know, Ukraine and dealing with the Russians, except that they're going about it all, all freaking wrong, right? They went about it all freaking wrong during the GWAT. Look, did we win the global war on terror? Did we win that? Somebody refresh my memory. Did we win that? I mean, I was, I was there. So scout, um, you know, uh, to your point, yeah. um, from purely from like a contract and cost benefit analysis, you know, diminishing returns if you spend an, a certain, you know, amount of money, um, mm -hmm. you know, from an economics perspective, like I've shot a, a Palmetto State AR-10 with some federal mm -hmm. gold medal match. And that reminded me of like running a 240 Bravo on a tripod. Like... Yeah. It was pretty cool. I felt, I yeah. felt, I was pretty pleased with the experience. Um, yeah. yeah. And nice you know one. what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, that, 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 the two, for those that haven't been behind a 240 Bravo, that thing is, you're, you can clean sweep out to like 1300 once you've got yeah. a couple months on the gun. Like, you got to go to the range a few times, but, and the tracers really help. And they reinforce the wind and 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 elevation and drop and how the gun is 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 reacting to the way you're like holding on to it and everything. You know, there's a lot of feedback on the tracer rounds and tracer rounds do other things like set fire to the battlefield and stuff. But uh, you know, I I I was it's hard to argue with like just a base level Palmetto State Armory with like the base level like military civilian clone of the long rifle range, like LR one, one eight, you know, like, yeah. It, and now we're spending like nine, 10, 12 grand on a rifle. We've got this, this digital optic, which, you know, it, it I mean, well, there's a lot see, of considerations with that like as they, well they're they're trying to throw technology at something that is a software problem like it's it's a training oh, issue yeah the wetware we say can give you software, the answer right yeah and, and but it but it's that's the thing like that's the thing that people don't get that it's just it, it like it's all about who is getting those kickbacks? Like no, nobody is concerned with winning anything because if you solve a problem, then the cash cow goes away. Right. So you, you never solve a problem. And that's what I'm saying. Like um, with the GWAT, you know, they, they didn't want to win that, but the, the contracting world didn't want to win that because if you, if you win, if you actually win anything, then all of a sudden, well, you know, we ain't going to get that money anymore. And so you just have to invent new problems, um, you know, in, in perpetuity. And so it, it's, you know, never mind the fact that the, so the, all, all the, like, we'll talk about the commo stuff right now. Um, you know, because the weapons are what they are. I mean, you know, that's been beat to death. It's, uh, it's, it's whatever. But um, there is, there is uh, uh, a couple of systems that are competing with one another now, right? And, and we're seeing a lot of the stepchildren of those systems that are being offered in one way or another, like indirectly onto the civilian market. 
and it's being, you know, kind of, um, marketed in a, a unique way and they're getting like the social media influencers and youtube guys and stuff right to be uh you know touting the stuff up but nobody bothers to question why like why why does this thing exist and what are the possible pitfalls and this is because this the only people who could ask these questions are not going to because they either can't ask them in a public venue because they're going to get terminated from from wherever they are or they just don't want to talk about it like they, there's a, a lot of guys with um electronic warfare backgrounds who just do not talk about what they've done right they just don't talk about it so it, it's easier for them to keep their mouths shut and they're just like all right whatever you know like i cashed out i retired it's, i'm done deal so when you're talking about some of these systems that are being fielded out there that are like the 4g system that um it, the nomenclature on it escapes me but it was part of uh, the joint battle command platform where it gave uh quote unquote seamless interface between uh drone feeds and uh live updates with uh the, the joint battle command platform um and it gave up updates to the talk to like where your individual soldiers positions were as a type of mesh networking right so the problem with all this is is that it none of it takes into any account when you're fighting a peered adversary everybody and their cousin has been working on electronic warfare and been pushing that to the front right that's been the forefront of what they've been doing nobody's asking those questions. And so, you know, that kind of goes back to a little rant at the beginning of the show in that, you know, you, you get these, you get these cats that they don't, they don't know anything about anything, but they saw somebody do it in a video or whatever it was. They think that they know everything at that point and they don't know jack shit about nothing. They have no idea how electronic warfare works or how that they can be exploited. And so they're creating all this, you know, mesh network and basically they can be mapped in a heat map. Right. And so, uh, you know, the drive did a pretty good article about it that I shared uh, and have shared a few times since then, because you don't want something that's constantly putting out a bunch of RF energy, right. That you don't control. You don't have any control over that. And it's just doing it. You know, if you're fighting the Taliban, and they don't have the electronic warfare sophistication to exploit that. Like even at the most basic level, they don't have the ability to exploit that. Um, you know, even something like a, a spectrum, uh, excuse me, an inexpensive spectrum analyzer, you would be able to exploit that, right? The frequency range that it operates in is published data. You can look that up, you know? So I don't need to know what's being said. All I need to know is that it's there. Right. All I need to know is, is bam, got you. Let me get a line of bearing on that. You're not that far away, you know, and, and then, we, you know, we're going to do business. And, you know, it, it's even easier when it's a nation state that's doing this because, you know, well, well I'll drop an Iskander on you, you know, or, or, or an S300 or, you know, whatever, whatever precision guided munitions are being fielded. Um, you know, and, and we're seeing that. Right, we're seeing that and I, I predict that we're going to see a hell of a lot more of that going into uh, late February, uh, late February and forward. We're going to see a whole lot of that going into Ukraine. You know, it's it's, it's going to be act two. 
But um, you know, so I really think like the the weapons stuff is a moot point. It's it's the military industrial complex run amok. The communications stuff is like that too. They don't want to talk about the training. Uh, that's always been a problem. That's been a perennial problem. Uh, that that was a complaint that you know different corners of the army that I can speak for had uh, with with DoD and. You know, in, in their answer, 100 percent of the time was just, hey, I'm going to shovel more equipment at you or I'm going to shovel more technology or, you know, this, that or the other. And it's like, well, you know, we need training time is what we need. We need a budget to, to actually go to training events that that are productive, you know, rather than just getting shiny new equipment. It doesn't really solve any problems. You know, I don't know. It, it's it, it's a. It's a unique perspective that um, if you haven't been there, you hadn't lived it, you haven't reaped the consequences of it, you can't understand. And so um, that's that's pretty much just long and short of it. Uh, so uh, one of the comments here that I want to feel, because this is kind of interesting from um, uh, Peter in the chat here, GPS receives a signal from satellites, right? Or does GPS put out a signal as well? All right. So that's a loaded question. Um, so you're going to get a different answer depending on what device it actually is. Um, you're probably thinking of the time, uh, it's probably 2010 or so 2012. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but, uh, it was somewhere in, in that time frame that, Iran began a very aggressive electronic warfare campaign, um, both in Iraq for the units that were left in Iraq and in Afghanistan. And what they were doing was a man in the middle style attack on GPSs. And so you had like the dagger, the dagger, which was uh, a, a it, it was capable of receiving a secured signal. It had some protections against a man in the middle or a spoofing attack on it. Um, Commercial off-the-shelf or uh, COTS receivers like uh, the Garmin 60 uh, series, which was, you know, literally bomb-proof. I had one of those that, that I carried on multiple deployments. I loved them. Um, you know, and, and then the small ones like the uh, the E-Trex and, and some of the little, like, wrist-mounted units uh, and the Suntos as well. We, we kind of got away from using those for a little while because of that threat, because of the man-in-the-middle threat. Um some guys were saying erroneously that that it itself would emit a signal that was detectable, you know, a long ways away and whatever. Um, that's not necessarily accurate. Uh, that that's that's not really uh, correct. What is true about that though is that every receiver, Every receiver uh, that is not a strictly a software defined receiver, and even some of these do this as well, but they will emit a small, uh, very, very faint signal out of it. And what that is, is, is a uh, kind of a ringing. It's, it's um, ah, the, the technical name is escaping me right now. But uh, super heterodyne receivers would do this. And uh, it goes all the way back to, um, you know, the, the early days of radio and, and there's a whole uh, history of uh, uh, MI6 or MI5 rather, their forebear, uh, the, the SOE, Special Operations Executive, that, that had SIGINT guys that would literally walk the streets of the British cities uh, 
when the Battle of Britain was going on, and they would do this with a loop antenna and a receiver built into their trench coats. And they were walking around, and what they were looking for was uh, German spies that were transmitting, right? But even when they weren't transmitting, what the Germans learned to do was to completely remove the power source and everything from that radio because the the circuitry in the radio would actually emit a signal, right? It would emit a very faint signal that could be detected. Your GPS does this as well. Um, so now with that being said, I, I want to be very specific here because this is an abstract uh, topic. Um, you you can detect that signal, but it is very, very difficult to do so. And if um, if a signals intelligence, um, if a signals intelligence team doesn't have a serious level of sophistication, and they, there's easier ways to do it, okay? There's just way easier ways to do it to accomplish the same goal. And, and a better way to do it is a man in the middle attack. And that's what the Iranians were doing. Um, Pakistan has this capability as well. India has it. Uh, there's some white papers that exist out there about the, um, uh, the, the electronic warfare that goes on back and forth between Pakistan and India and Kashmir. That's pretty fascinating as well. If, if you want to get some good reading on that, uh, it was just, uh, I think it was earlier in 2022, um, Joe, you might remember this. He, he, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was earlier in 2022, though, that um, the Indian pilot got shot down by Pakistan, and and that was a man in the middle attack to spoof that aircraft. Yes, and it, that's exactly what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Correct. Yeah, um, man. Was somewhere else. Right, right, and, and it was a man in the middle attack. Um, the East Germans. Did that to to uh, the West German Air Force all the time. Uh, they did it to the American Air Force all the time. Those, uh, those American boats got captured by Iran too. Um, yep. You know, made them believe yep. they were on the other yep. side of the. Yes, yes, yes. Another another perfect example of that. Uh, that that was that was exactly what they did, and it's it's just spoofing the the uh, the signal. Um, it's an easier way to accomplish it, you know. So, um, when it comes to GPS, you know, yeah, you, you know, it, it's. I don't think the use of GPS is a threat. Um, and then somebody in the comments saying, "Clarify what a man in the middle attack is." A, a man in the middle attack, basically, um, you have a a signal source and a receiver, right? So, like, you got your satellite that's transmitting the the location data to the GPS. Well, if I get in the middle of that and transmit a different signal to you that tells you you're not where you really are, then I'm the man in the middle attacking you. So uh, hopefully that makes some sense there. Um, it, it's kind of a simple term. There's a whole Wikipedia page on it, on man in the middle attacks. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting reading. But uh, moving in, man, it's been an hour already. We got to get down to business, guys. Uh, you know, un until Podbean Live here decides to to play trickery again uh, with with our signal on the air, like they did just a little bit ago. So I couldn't hear anybody, and I was getting this weird network error message 
saying they had a network error, but you guys were all talking fine. I it's a, it's almost like that. That's exactly the way a man in the middle attack would actually act. I yeah, crazy. Yeah. The man in the mirror by Michael Jackson out of my head. Now. <laughs> uh, I was getting that message earlier, and I had to disconnect and come back in. Yeah, I don't know. It's so, it's something going on with them, or they're they're doing something with us. I don't know. I don't know. HP eleven says Shamon, Shamon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, breakdown. So Mexico, right? So northern Mexico, definitely uh, interesting, spicy time going on in northern Mexico, and apparently, apparently, El Chapo's son, El Chapo's son, has been rolled up. And that has initiated a war between the Sinaloa cartel and the Mexican government. And this is really this is really neat because two days ago, uh, I was talking about this with uh, you know that was one of the big points of conversation that I had with Clay, and he was talking about the whole thing with um, with the border and how this is going to have a spillover effect. And you know, I mean, which you ain't got to be a weatherman to see which way the wind is blowing, you know, to use a phrase. I mean, you know, we, we all know this. Everybody with uh, two two brain cells know. But um, anyway, uh, so this is all going on, right? This is a low-intensity conflict, and um, I think that, that this one is going to begin to have a spillover effect here into the United States. I think that, you know, it, it's it's going to be small, it's going to be in pockets, but this is definitely going to have a spillover effect. And this is coming right as Biden is scheduled to meet with AMLO. So guys, what's your take on this? Um, kind of predictions of, of where this is going, how this is going to break down, and, and what the second and third order effects may be. You know, they did this uh, last year when they arrested him. And after two or three days of fighting, the Mexican government surrendered and gave them uh, uh, Lopez back. So I just see the same thing happening. I'll be honest, Mexico's a failed state. They control nothing outside of uh, the Distrito Federal in Mexico City. Uh, they make a good show of it. And the only reliable military they have are their Marines. And they don't have very many of them. So I, I see Mexico capitulating after a couple of days. Of I, I yeah. see it a little. I mean, I, I think it, it's different in a few different areas. I mean, I remember this has happened in the past, but some of the footage coming out of there. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, using, you know, mounted weapons from helicopters attacking cartel. Um, you know, there's a couple of videos of guys using Barrett's, uh, aiming up at helicopters. This has like a different flavor of intensity to it. One that I really haven't, I personally haven't seen, and I'm not by any means an expert I, on what goes I on down south of the border. And I, Patriot Man, I think actually it's right on the tip of your tongue. I think that Mexico and Central America has the Western potential to be our Middle East. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's yeah. just the intensity oh. that I don't remember seeing. 
There's just a lot of footage coming out of there too. I mean, you guys have all seen the clips of them rolling next to like cops that have people pulled over and they've got Barrett's and like <laughs> crazy stuff in the truck with them. So uh, maybe it's just cause it's an, I'm seeing it more and videos are coming out, but it just seems like it's a build up to something big. Like, but I think b both of the points are, are valid. Like the build up and the support that's going to be given to the Mexican government, um, as this progressively gets worse is going to be bolstered but in the same respect like the cartels are no joke i shared a video over on my telegram of them the the mexican army getting ambushed and it like they were in two vehicles and they stopped and they got lit up and it was bad and if it's if that's just one microcosm of what's going on there the government they're in for the fight of their lives and it's probably going to end in them losing or it's going to be close in my so opinion. So they like, what was it like? Some dudes rolling up to like a key leaders meeting and they were like sitting outside, like waiting on something and they got chewed up or what? So the video starts and it's, um, it's a trail vehicle. So there's, it's the, well, it's the second vehicle in the convoy and they roll okay. up to an intersection in like a, a downtown or like a, an urban area with businesses and belt feds just start lighting them up. And these, they're in technicals, like armored technicals. And um, the guy gets out, one guy stays up in the top and then all the other guys get out. And I think seven of them died uh, and Good they didn't grief. move. They just stayed behind the vehicles. And I mean, it was, it was bad. It was withering fire on them, but they did not do the right thing either. Yeah, I mean, the other guy can keep shooting until the fucking barrel explodes off the end of his gun. Or he runs out of ammo. There was a ton of guys. It sounded like shooting at him. It sounded like there were 20 or 30 guys with multiple belt feds shooting at him from probably elevated positions in the uh, the buildings. Yeah, around. they were they were absolutely <laughs> pinned down. Man, that's a <clears throat> shitty situation to be in. They, uh, obviously, the, they don't control the that area. Yeah. You're talking about the line of trucks where the one takes a right and then like the guy pulls around and then they start getting shot at? And they're all huddled behind the uh, the driver's backside of the truck. Yeah, you yeah. can see rounds like hitting that curb hard as shit. Mm -hmm. It's a wonder you um, didn't see anybody get killed in the video. Yeah, they're as close as they were hitting. They're like bracketing them and yeah, dropping them in and adjusting fire, dude. I mean, they have the nerve to open up on a convoy of their own government's army, and they're out there, you know, looking for a fight. And they destroyed them. Like, that is kind of, you know, something to observe, isn't it? War of the flea. This close to us? The war of the flea. I think Mags has it, has it right in the, in the comments. Yeah, I mean, CCP and Russia are going to proxy our ass next. Yeah, I definitely see that. And that's why I think ultimately, to, to Joe's point, I think the government loses this fight. But I think they realize that they're not going to have too many more opportunities left because the cartels are only growing and growing. So I, I feel like this is going to be a very intense, a very intense well, like, initiation. Like Chow says, it's, the economy is like a core value of the revolution as it always has been. And if the, yeah. if the drug and cartel game is where the money's at and that's where you can elevate your status in society and, get the hot girlfriend and the cool car and a little bit of respect and some credit and some yeah. appreciation for your work. I mean, that's where you're going to find your average guy. Like it, 
it's just going to happen. Hey, I'll point out that one of the things that scrolls across the screen in the 1984 version of Red, Bra- Red Dawn is that Mexico devolves into civil war. So I'm yep. just saying. Well, yeah, Mexico is like Central America. And and then there's the history between Venezuela and Colombia and Gran Colombia and the Bolivar. Like Bolivar is, if I remember correctly, kind of like their... Uh, yeah, you know, I mentioned this... Uh, their uh, George Washington, I suppose. Yeah, Simone Bolivar was like, uh, like George Washington, freed all of South America. That's what you really need to worry about is a Bolivarian... I mean, Venezuela calls their army the army of Bolivarian or Bolivarian Venezuela. Bolivarian Republic. Yeah, they're the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela. Yeah. uh, It's similar to, like, China's history. He, like, crossed mountains, and the Andes Mountains are pretty serious. I wouldn't want to have to hike over them. But he lost, like, half of his guys and ambushed some forts and captured them. It's like uh, it's like George Washington and um, fuck, I can't remember the name of the Ticonderoga. I can't remember. I I've, I've been hitting the head too many times to remember. Sorry, guys. I'll point out that before he freed each of those countries, uh, he infiltrated his forces via illegal immigration just before. Just saying. Yeah. No, hundred percent, guys, and um. You, you're all you're all bringing up in incredible points as you know you always do. The thing is, is that when you take into account one, our southern border, which is you know non-existent, we do, we don't have a border. I mean, if if you don't have control of something, it's not there. And this ties into our conversation that we're about to have about Congress. Point to somebody in D.C. who actually cares about getting control of the situation on the border. I mean, there's not enough, right? There's not enough politicians. Yeah, there's a few. Okay, there's a few, but there's not enough, right? This this should be something like nationalism and, and, you know, nationalism became a dirty word for its misuse, right? It's misapplication. But nationalism is nothing more than pride in one's nation. Right. And, and the recognition of one's nation. And so for the, all the open borders people, you know, and there, there's a libertarian contingent of open borders folks, too. Um, you know, and, and I make fun of them and give them just as much hell as they deserve. Uh, and I can say that as a libertarian, I can do that. Right. But, um, you know, point is, is that it's complete anarchy on the border. And and when you couple that with the level of control and influence that has been gained in many corners of the United States. I'm not just talking about South Texas, everywhere south of I-10, right? I ain't talking about that. The the level of influence that has been attained in and the creating these micro communities, right, that are now growing and growing and growing. The next evolution of that is going to be an assertion of and a solidification of power, right? And so, you know, for some folks, it may not necessarily be a bad thing, um, but when you're adding in the the cartel contingent of this, right? I want to, you know, I, I want to recall everybody to, you know, Al Capone, 
right? One of, one of America's folk heroes. It's important to understand that La Casa Nostra and the Chicago outfit and Las Vegas and every, every piece of mob history, right? And it doesn't like that. That's Italian mob history, but Irish mob history, Jewish mob history, right? The, you know, the, the Russian mob history, most of which of that now controls Manhattan, by the way. Um, every one of these ethnicities, right? Every one of these ethnic groups that came to the United States that had an organized crime contingent to it, and they all do, it begins as, as a form of protection, right? Of, of protectionism and kind of, uh, you know, La Casa Nostra meant our thing. Right. Like that's literally what it means is, is, is this our thing. And why, why did they do all that? Right. It was first for protection, but then that protection racket that was being run and the protectionism. And it's not just protection from, uh, you know, the bad man down the street. It's it's cultural protectionism, too. Right. That, that goes on with that of, of preserving one's culture and we have a very strong contingent of that organized crime in the United States now. I mean, that that's, you know, nothing new to anybody who's been awake for, you know, the past two decades. MS-13, Mexican Mafia, Sinaloa, right? They all have a presence, right? They all have a presence. And as they begin to attain power and more and more in increasing levels of influence, you're going to see a lot of destabilization begin to happen. And so what that has to do with, you know, the heyday of the mob in the 1920s, 1930s, Prohibition era, and, and you know, all of that, what that has to do with that is, is that era is going to pale in comparison to what we may see as a result of this, right? Because if, if you look at the Latin American population now and, you know, Great folks, man. Like, like I, what, what a wonderful community, right? Living in El Paso, that it was some of the, the happiest times of my life, man. I, I, I love that. I love that culture. I second I love everything that. about it. The, yeah, man. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't go as far as Texas, but like the guys I went to Iraq with and some of the leadership yeah. that I, I learned how yeah. to be a soldier from and, guys I looked up to and will, will nobody could ever change my mind. Like how I feel about some of the people I've met in my life. And it yeah. the, like those, the, the, his, the Latino dudes, man, they yeah. put their, they put their best foot forward, I think in GWAP. Yeah. And I was very impressed oh, yeah. and there's, there's some, you know, positive and negative stories of what's happened in Central and South America over the last right. 70 years since the Cold War. I mean, it's, you know, it's basically South Africa, but Central America and, and South America, yeah. like, you know, and, but, and they've been going hard for a while too, in many respects, they, in fact, they went through a period where they hired a lot of contractors, Western contractors to consult them on like what they should purchase and yeah. how they should structure their military. And I know Scout knows all about this. My Green Dragon guys know all about this. Um, yeah. But the the thing is, is that if, if you, so going back to the heyday of La Casa Nostra, right? And Al Capone and Lucky Luciano and like all, all the, the 
folk heroes of the mob, right? And and you could even say like you could throw Danny Green into the mix, like the nineteen seventies, and you know how he went to war with uh, the Lucchese families, and um, you know it, it you know, in, in Cleveland, the bombing campaigns, like you throw all that into the mix too, and all of that pales in comparison to when the cartels begin to fight it out here in America, they start their own turf war in America. And it's going to be a multi-layered dance because when you're talking about the fight in Mexico, like, okay, so everybody there is Mexican, right? So the, you know, that's, it's a turf war. Yeah. But, but you, there's an element here in the United States to all that, that increases that level of violence many times over. Now you're talking about all the other street gangs that are in the United States, right? Which we got a lot. Somebody in the so comments Scout, was talking about uh, one percenters. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed there's an uptick in like wild, unexplainable crimes recently and that everybody's talking about all of a sudden? Oh, like yeah. I'm living like I'm living in true crime or something. Like you got the murders yeah. in Idaho, you got the eight man shooting there, the seven man stabbing at that school here. The, the, yeah. Like it's well, been that, that murder. That murder was that that was a, a Ted Bundy kind of deal. I I don't know. I you know that's one of those. I don't get too wrapped up into the true crime stuff, like the the Nancy Grace thing. Neither do because, I. Nah, because I mean that that's that crap is tailor made for for TV. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry those kids got you know whacked. Like that sucks. You know, they, they got murdered. But there's people getting murdered every single day. You know, it, all across the country. It just so happens that you know a, a few really pretty white girls, sorority girls. There in, was in like Idaho, a five person shooting in Baltimore like a couple days ago. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and you never kids, hear about some it. Some kids just like I feel like yeah. Bart Simpson. If somebody's gonna say it, this it's on the news because yeah. he's a white guy. Yeah, like you know, it's it's they they know when they put that slide up of of the two girls, right? And again, it sucks. Like you know, I, I wish that all that stuff had happened. You know, it, but when they they know like the news media knows when they put those slides up. But it's two pretty girls like you, you could you'd have the TV on mute. Don't even know anything else about it. Doesn't matter. You could have walked in off of a whole other planet and seen that image right there. And you're going to stop and look at it. Right. Because they're attractive. And and that's the long and short of it. Like the 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 whole the news media puts up stuff. And propagandizes us because it's all propaganda and it propagandizes us to keep us watching. That's the whole point behind it, right? It's it's there for entertainment value. It's to keep us watching. So I, I like I said, man, I don't get too wrapped up in all that stuff. But when when we're talking about the the implications of widespread violence coming from Mexico, because you know every corner of the United States has a strong Latin American influence in it now, and you may not see it, right? You may not see it where you're living. But it's, I promise you, there, there's a contingent of it there. And there is some, like, all of it has an underground element to it, an underground economy element to it. You know, and, and I don't mean underground in a criminal sense, right? That, that's not what I'm saying at all. 
but they they have their own culture right they have their own like the, their, their own way of life that they're seeking to preserve and one of the big telltale things about that is is language and the maintaining of a language barrier if you look at every other group in the united states that acclimated over time the first way they did that was learning english you know like like my grandmother came from armenia she didn't speak english for the first five years of her life you know but she had to learn it and nobody else in her household spoke english either but she she was the only one she learned english because she, she was sitting in a classroom you know and and we're talking about a very long time ago in american history so you know back in the uh uh early 1930s you know so it it's when, when when they have that and i'm not again i'm not saying any of this stuff is not good or bad nothing i'm just telling you what it is right and the potential for a very extreme amount of violence to occur i think is high in my estimation i think that it's high and in many corners of the united states we're already seeing the the beginnings of and have been for a few years for for everybody that, that may be listening to this in law enforcement you know what i'm talking about um the, we're already seeing the beginnings of this between the black street gangs and the latin street gangs going at it with one another right they've been doing this stuff for years and 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 it's been little things like back and forth like little stuff like a shooting here a drive by there you know, may, maybe somebody gets stabbed, right? Somebody gets hit by a car, uh, 305 HAD in the comments was saying, uh, you know, Chicago, somebody, you know, getting run down with a car because because they know they're wearing the wrong colors, they're walking in the wrong neighborhood. I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, things told to me by people working in Chicago. And I know a, a few of y'all listening to this, I know, you know, you, you know exactly who I'm talking about here. Um, and, and so there, there's a dynamic. Right. There's a whole dynamic to it. But when this this slides into now, now we're getting the green light because Mexico is in open conflict and they're getting the green light to fight in America. All bets are off at that point. Right. All bets are off. And and when that when that's going to begin to kick off, that's when we're going to see some serious stuff. And I don't know if america is prepared for that if, if um and, and i'm being very very generous when i say i don't know if we're prepared for that because in my heart uh being an eternal optimist i'd like to think that you know we we we're gonna rise to the occasion but i man i don't think so um what say y'all so when i was uh paving I, I worked with a lot of Hispanic dudes and, um, you know, from all over El Salvador, Guatemala, um, Honduras, Mexico, um, you name it. They were from there and they were, um, they were not friendly to the blacks at all. No. Nah. And so, you know, there was a couple days where like I'd been working there a while and finally, one of the guys convinced me to come over for a couple of beers after work. So, you know, I went to his house and it was in the hood in Baltimore. And, uh, man, I thought we were bad. All those dudes are toting. Got machetes sitting in the corner. I mean, 
Oh, yeah. I was looking around. I'm like, man, y'all don't play at all. And I, it, well, I can't anymore because I, you know, once you don't speak a language for a little bit, you kind of lose it. I was pretty good at my Spanglish. So, you know, I was talking to them. I was like, yeah, why do you guys keep this around? And they were like, oh, yeah, because, you know, the guys from a couple blocks over, they were talking about the black gangs. They came over and, like, robbed them all the time. And yeah. sure enough, like, the next night, they almost got robbed. And, like, 15 of them, they, like, defended their block. And, of course, the Baltimore City Police didn't even show up. So, <clears throat> there, there's a serious blood feud there. And to your point, Scout, um, I think that while I know the cartel's been doing this stuff for a really long time, um, I went and, and visited uh, a site down south. And I that's when I saw, it was like 2014, I think. And that's when I saw what was really going on uh, south of the border. And I was like, whoa, this is really bad. Um, what are we doing in the Middle East? We need to be right here. <laughs> we need to be in Texas yeah. and Arizona and California and New Mexico. And um, yeah, stuff like this has happened before plenty of times where they like, you know, the cartel launched like a full scale attack. But the thing with the cartels is they're cartels plural and the yeah. families don't get along because they all want the biggest piece of the pie. So they just can't yep. get along. Um, right. They all have the same, um, their soldiers predominantly, uh, are death worshipers. I, I can't remember the, the Spanish name. Santa um, Muerte. Yes. So a lot of them are into, um, what we Christians would just sum up to Satanism, paganism, something that's not yeah. Christ. Um, but a lot of these guys, yeah, they, they worship death and they, they welcome death. They're, yeah, they're Aztec they're like, uh, warriors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't let that go. And, and yeah, they, uh, they like it, you know, it's just that. Simple. Yeah. So they're, they're violent. They're not afraid to murder your entire family. Um, and I actually posted something on Twitter today, and I don't think anybody was ready to hear it. Like, the only way to defeat these cartels is to kill them and their immediate families. It's the only way to do it. Um, it's a sad thing to say. Other, Damn, it's almost like... And that's what they do to each it's other. It's almost like the Middle East south of the border. Yeah, it, it is, is the Middle dude. East south of the border. It's, it's what it um, is. It's and, worse, though. And I've, it's, it, like, in a lot of ways, I, it's worse. And to be honest, there's some Hezbollah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, I it is worse. To... Because the, the Middle East is at least um, tribal. The cartels really kind of invade each other's space all the time. And... Um, the general populace tries to stay out of it, but from what I gather, the general populace is not so general anymore. I think everybody's kind of picked a side, and the only thing, <laughs> there's like some naive people that try to stay out of it, but um, for the most part, everybody kind of knows what, what's going on and, and who's who and where everybody is in regards to who, you know, car, like cartel families and it, that situation's been devolving for a really, really, really long time, decades. Um, 
but in the past few years, it seemingly got worse. And the footage, I agree with you, Patriot, man, the footage has gotten, like, it's coming out as crazy. It's, um, it is def- definitely on the next level. You know, I'm, I'm used to seeing the beheading videos of yeah cartel guys catching each other in their, in the wrong hood. Um, that's business as usual. When, yeah, when you see them trying to shoot aircraft down, um, that's definitely stepping it up a notch. I've, I've never heard of that before. Uh, yeah. But, the one video that we retweeted on the AP account, I know a bunch of the guys in that kind of circle retweeted it when they were just like, literally just like, all right, full, full mag. There's a helicopter up there. Pop, pop, pop. I mean, they don't even have an optic on it. If I remember correctly, it was just iron oh, sights. Yeah, they were just like, they were just lighting them. just like shoot this thing down. And then like the videos that were overnight, when you're watching the tracer bullets come in, from the helicopters and I'm and I'm hearing the rate of fire and I'm like like there's always been like helicopter interdiction and you know if they're assaulting a compound you know they'll have some air cover and the land guys but the volume of fire was like this sounds like they're assaulting like a compound in Afghanistan like with like an M134 or something you know what I mean like it was like it wasn't that necessarily that rate of fire but it was a high enough rate of fire that I was like I just don't remember ever seeing that from both sides from both the mexican cards because just like you i've seen the beheading videos i've seen all the fucking shit that they do but i I don't remember seeing the level of aggression from the mexican military and then how visceral the response was from the cartels i mean it really had the feeling of taliban versus gwat you know what i mean it was just something i hadn't seen and it could be that i was never exposed to the to the videos in Mexico before, I, I find that hard to believe. Or maybe just now the proliferation of cell phones down there and the fact they're trying to build a social media, they're wanting to show, hey, look, we're tough, we're fighting back. Maybe it's just that, but I just, it's not something. I- no, certainly not. Uh, well, well, I, so everybody living south of I 10, especially around Juarez, uh, you know, El Paso, Horizon City, uh, Las Cruces. Um, they like we we got a a front row seat to it all, right? And uh, you know, 2011, 2012, that that's when things were really hot and heavy in Juarez. So like these these videos and stuff uh, of, of Sinaloa, this doesn't really like it's not shocking me uh, for sure. It, I've seen it before. Um, you know, when uh, the leader of the Zetas got rolled up in Eagle Pass, that was – that threw things into some chaos too. Um, but they, they calmed down after that. And so I think when when you take into account how much power Sinaloa has, um, because the Zetas, Zetas were pretty powerful at their height, but Sinaloa runs stuff. Like they, they are very much – a nation state uh, to their own, because just as Joe pointed out, and he's brother, you, you know, you're hundred percent right. Um, Mexico's a failed state and there, there's not much force projection that uh, Mexico city has outside of Mexico city. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. I mean, I, but still I I'm sticking to the fact that, uh, I don't think that this stuff is going to be contained to Mexico. I think as, as we progress, this is going to get, uh, the spillover potential 
that we're going to see is, is high. I think it's very, very high. And so people really need to be prepared for that. And so shifting gears just a little bit with 20 minutes left on the clock, that plays into this whole nonsense coming out of D.C., right? Um, you know, you, you've got McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, the guy nobody ever wanted. He's, you know, he's the last pick for the football team, right? He's he's going to be Speaker of the House. And and we've been saying, so the, the conservative constituency, libertarian constituency, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, right? Sane Americans. We'll just put it like that. Sane Americans. Don't want this guy. Okay, and my personal take on this, and I, I'll I'll keep it brief, and then I'm going to hand it over to all of you. Is that that uh, nothing loves a vacuum more than someone looking to assert power, and when there are places, when there are pockets that are looking to assert power, as we just were talking about, you're going to see the rise of that when they they see chaos. All right. Uh, so with that said. You, you take into account McCarthy, right? McCarthy is, is a swamp creature. You know, he is the the uh, current manifestation of John Boehner and, you know, going all the way back to Conservatism Inc., right? Conservatism Incorporated that's that's been uh, profiteering off of, you know, Americans who, who want fiscal sanity. We want sanity. We want security here in the United States. And they're not interested in any of that. Right. They're just interested in keeping their con game going. Um, so, you know, he it's it's pretty, uh, pretty resoundingly rejected. They, you know, they don't want him. The 20 stalwarts of the Freedom Caucus is keeping him out. The media is spinning this as, you know, these, these 20 terrorists, as uh, Dandy Dan, the eyepatch man called it, um, you know, which is weaponized language. And I put out a tweet about that earlier today. It's weaponized language. Calling someone a terrorist, as he said, uh, is not is not a figure of speech, and he knows good and damn well that that's wrong, right? He he knows exactly what he's saying when he says that. So you know, but who cares what he's got to say because he's a liar. Um, but point is behind all that is that they're they're trying to ram this guy in, right? You've got Trump out there. Meanwhile, and, and, and it's really sad to see the self-destruction of this guy. But you've got Trump out there who's done absolutely nothing for the J6 political prisoners. He's done absolutely nothing for them. He hasn't even mentioned them. He hasn't even mentioned his supporters. He hasn't even mentioned the people who, who were really out there and stumping for him hard. All he can seem to be concerned with is throwing mud at, it, at anybody he, he perceives as a threat. Right, Ron DeSantis being the top of them, you know, it, it and it's very, very troubling to me. Right, all, all of the 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 culmination of all these things is very, very troubling to me. So we have the the Republican self immolation that we're seeing in in real time. You know, conservatism incorporated is falling to pieces, right, and you know, you you have the American people, the constituency that put these people in power. We're watching our representatives be bought off one by one by one. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, what happened to you, girl? What happened to you? You know, and, and where does Trump fall in the mix? He's saying he supports McCarthy. Well, McCarthy never supported him. McCarthy never supported him. So what changed? Don't tell me trust the plan. 
right? Don't tell me that we need to sit back and wait for a plan. You should have told us the plan. You you don't you ain't, you don't have a plan. There is no plan. Okay, there is none of this. You know, McCarthy didn't wake up one day and say, "Oh, hey Trump, you know, I, I'm 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 a MAGA guy now." You know, actions speak louder than words. But key takeaway, and then I'll shut up and I'm gonna hand it back to y'all, is power absolutely loves a vacuum. And when when DC is is you know growing ever more into chaos and really only cares about itself and keeping its grift operation going on, as we've talked about, we're in a lot of trouble. Okay. And so you have to start thinking locally. You must start thinking locally and keep it to that national level politics. Hey, that that's cool. But make sure that you are focusing on your local level and what you can do and understand that that potential for all the, the explosion of violence, it is very, very high. I don't think that it's ever been higher in our history and as widespread as it will be. And D.C. is not going to be able to contain it. They're not going to be able to contain it. So, guys, with that said, your thoughts. So, I'm going to chime in real quick, if you don't mind, gentlemen. Um, I believe that you're on point with what you were saying uh, about all of it, for the most part. The, the key takeaway for me, as far as the national level is concerned, is just like in everything else that they do, they're painting an enemy out the gate. They're terrorists, right? It's the select group that can't get the the guy who, whether we like it or not, they're going to say he's, well, it's better than the alternative of having some quote-unquote bipartisan or some Democrat somehow take over, right? So then what happens next? Trump is going to say, like he has already, well, look what happens. We had to concede because of these people here, the enemy. They're not helping anything. The ATF's going to crack down on people. They need an enemy. They've been painting people like ourselves in this chat as the enemy the whole time. It's just another thing. And like you alluded to, we got to stay at the local level because it's, it doesn't really matter what's going on up there, but just understand the projection of what's about to happen and that extreme propensity for violence because they're, they're preparing themselves and they're taking aim right now and they're aiming at us. We're not in the stage where they're firing full, full blast, but if, if it's never been more clear to me that Trump, you know, I voted for the guy twice. He's not the guy to take us forward. He's done nothing. He's complicit. And he's, he's basically the system at this point. He's probably always has been, you know, but we're looking at something bad, how it unfolds. I'm, I'm uncertain of it, but calling us terrorists, uh, because we want something else. Um, they're going to paint these people as loons and as fringe and that they need to be dealt with with illegal powers because then that can clinch the victory for the the rhino uniparty um, at the top. 100%, brother. 100%. I think incredibly well said. What else? I don't know about well said. I kind of sound ridiculous the most time. but. <laughs> I, look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, the, as the only civvy on this podcast, but I do have a poli sci degree. Um, I, I think ultimately what the the rebels of the GOP are really trying to to gain from from my understanding, of what's going on is leverage, right? 
They want guarantees in writing that they can point to that they're going to be put in key committee positions. Now, do I think that we're going to ultimately be able to stop McCarthy from becoming speaker? No, I don't. Because I think if McCarthy goes to Pelosi and says, look, you want me more than you want a Paul Gosar or you want... God, you know, Matt Gates, which I love Matt Gates, but you want you want me more than them. And so let me 10 votes. You know, Hakeem Jeffries not going to get it. You know, no one in our. our so just stop with that charade. You're going to draw this out as long as you want Pelosi to make us look ridiculous. Give us a 10 votes so we look all bipartisan. It all helps us in election in 2024. And then he's going to go to the Freedom Caucus and say, I will give you certain concessions if we don't have, I have this toxic route I could go, but I'd rather not do that. So what if I gave you concession A, B, and C? And I think that that's ultimately where they're going to land. Not everyone. I don't think uh, a Bobart, who I like, a Gates, who I like, Paul Gassar, I like. They're not going to vote for him, but I think they'll get enough where they can continue to keep their hard line because they've taken the uncompromising position that they're not compromising on this. A few people who have been softer in their rhetoric will ultimately cross the line and say they gave us enough concessions. And as long as they have it in writing, they'll be able to get potentially key committee situations. It'll be another 2010 Benghazi, Trey Gowdy situation in which probably a lot of shouting happens and nothing gets done that actually solves it so we're back to square one anyways so exactly the point that was brought up local 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 national politics gives you an idea what may trickle down but local is going to be where it's at but i ultimately think that's where we trend at mccarthy will be speaker even though i don't want that piece of shit to be speaker he's going to be speaker and the maga people will be put given some marginal compensation where they can scream and yell into the void and all the good points that they bring up will never be ever taken seriously and and to the other point about trump again i voted for him twice too it is sad to see what he's deteriorated to he, he he's his ego has taken over not that his ego wasn't always in control but he at least gave lip service to his supporters it's sad what he's become he's a, he's a shell of of what he ran on in 2016 and personally he needs to go away Hundred percent agreed, brother. Joe, uh, tactical wisdom. You jumped in there, uh, but you were a little bit low. I think you got stepped on. Okay. Well, I don't know what's going on with my, with my microphone again. I'm gonna have to mess around before next week. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just silly at this point. What he ought to do is, is step down, uh, withdraw his name, and move on because no one wants him. Uh, he's the candidate no one wanted. Um. I, I think Risky Krisky was right on. Patriot Man was right on. Um, this is just silliness at this point, and it proves that the Democrats can unite, and our side never will. 100%, man. 100%. Well, you know, never never underestimate the Republicans' ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, they're, they're never going to be honest with the fact that uh, the American people wanted a colossal change and, you know, it, it didn't happen. And, and why is ballot harvesting not the number one topic? Why is election fraud not the number two topic? If Kevin McCarthy wanted to be speaker, it would be very easy, right? It'd be very easy. All he'd have to do is get up there and say, hey, We're putting a fucking end to ballot harvesting. We're putting an end 
to all the nonsense, all the electric voting machines, electronic voting machines, they are all going away. We're going to institute an investigation on exactly what happened in Arizona, what happened in Michigan, what happened in Pennsylvania, right? Hell, for that matter, what happened in Virginia. We're going to investigate that. If they're going to do their little bullshit uh, sham show parade, J6 committee, they, they, they won't, did absolutely uh, nothing. They won't do it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do so it. So when I went it. to when I went to go vote the uh, not not the last round because I, I gave up and uh, I I tapped out on the last one, guys. I I'm not proud of it, but at the same time, what's the point, right? So uh, when it came to reelecting Trump, though, when I went to when I went to the vote at my college campus, there was. Uh, Women and men dressed up like Che Guevara with armbands. I'm not making this up with the raised black fist on it. And the uh, white, like rising sun, like ray, the corona, the rays of like sunlight rising up in the background. They were wearing, I'm not making this up at all. At all. No. I'm, that no. is an absolute felony. It's the same thing as if I were to yep. walk around with a swastika on an armband. It you cannot display any political symbols. Yep. Whether Republican or Democrat or anything, libertarian, you can't have a Ron Paul sign within visible distance of an election. Yep, hundred feet. Site. Typically. Yep. And but you but and there are some people standing outside of that. But no, no. When you went like in, you stood in a line like a little bitch ass slave and you walked in and the first person to greet you was running around with an armband as i had such described previously i'm not going to put you through it again that absolutely happened to me and the last the last point i'll make joe to your point um you're absolutely right where you say the left plays to win and the right plays for my morals right now do i agree with what they're standing up with and and trying to fight at least at some level at least some people are fighting for what we believe in sure but to your point the left just plays to win that's all they care about the right will stand up and scream this is horrible next election we'll get them and we'll do reforms and my morals and my outrage and then nothing ever gets done. When the left takes power, they go, fuck you, we're doing this, deal with it. So that is an absolute difference between the left and the right, which is why the left is winning. Thus far, thus far, they, they're, they're certainly throwing us into chaos, but that, that's why, uh, in, and we're going to round this one out because we're, we're uh, closing out the clock here. Um, DC is not going to fix itself. Okay. It, 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 it is very apparent that Washington, D.C. is not concerned with fixing anything, with, you know, keeping itself in power. And we're kind of at that, you know, the, the whole glug uh, fate of empires, um, you know, the, the fourth turning, if, you know, you, you want to use that reference. I think it's, it's kind of cliche at this point. But um, we're at that point, you know, where. It's the end of Rome where every one of the Roman senators, every person that had any kind of power was just seeing what they could get. And, and that was it. And it's, it's sad, but that is where we are. And so you need to be focused locally. Um, 
you know, and for, for the sake of all that's good and holy, please, please, please do not, do not go out to any sort of stupid street protest. Okay. I'm saying this for the, the billionth time. I think my second podcast was telling people not to do that. Um, you know, and, and that was way, way back when, and, uh, there is absolutely nothing to be gained this by doing true. any of that. Yeah. Go do something productive. Um, go do something productive. Anyway, with five minutes left on the clock, <coughs> um, I had to clear the throat real quick. I want to give a quick shout out to the show sponsors. Of course, the Civil Defense Manual and Mr. Tech Wisdom, Joe Dolio himself in here, as well as Blacksmith Publishing. Um, you definitely want to get books from all of those guys, the civil defense manual. I wrote the communications chapter in that book. And of course my own, the gorilla's guide to the Baofeng radio, which is still, still, this is mind blowing. Um, a month and a few days after its launch, it is still in Amazon's top 1000. It is still the number one bestseller in radio communications and um, I am just really blown away by the, the overwhelmingly positive response. Um, have uh, I think just before we came on air, I checked and we've got 45 reviews with an overall 4.8 rating. Um, I'm really honored by that, guys. So thank all of you uh, for making all of these things worth it making all of this stuff, uh, you know, as successful as it is. And one last thing, one last thing to borrow a line from Columbo uh, back in the day. Mags in the comments, have you got any field manuals still? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I have all seven of them in stock. I've just got a few. Uh, I've just got a few and um, left over. I think I have about 10 to 15 of each still. Uh, the spiral bound version of the gorilla's guide to the Baofeng radio is available now as well. The details are up on the brushbeater.org website is a sticky at the top of the blog. The web store is currently under construction and that is going to be launching. Hopefully if all everything goes properly by the end of the month and uh, we should have a way at that point for online ordering but right now, um, you know, we do it very, very discreetly, as uh, a lot of people have, have done with me. And, um, you know, I have a few ways to pay, right? You can do it, you know, conventional way with a cash check, money order, whatever, right? Doing it that way for the books, uh, as well as the infrared reflector patches. Um, but I also am encouraging people to pay with alternative means if, if you would like to do so, uh, be it silver or gold backs. And we're going to be talking about gold backs in the very near future. I have been talking to the company that produces them and they are very, very excited uh, to be on the podcast. So I don't have a date nailed down exactly just yet. But I will, and we're going to be talking about that. And so I'm really excited because this is um, the the first time that I've I've talked about precious metals in a specific way, and I've actually got a precious metals company that's going to be getting on and and wanting to discuss all of that with with the Radio Contra audience. So I'm really really excited to do that. Um, with that said, uh, tactical wisdom, 
Mr. Joe Dolio, he is going to be paying or, or allowing people to pay for his books directly, utilizing goldbacks as well. Uh, we had that conversation. So this is something I'm really excited for, and it, it's taking off, and I'm going to be talking about it a lot here in, in the near future. Uh, but, folks, with that said, again, again, returning to the whole core of it all, keep your head on a swivel. Get out there and train. Get out there and train. Get out there and train. Okay. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Get out there and use your gear. Don't be posing in front of the, you know, mommy's mirror with your stuff on and putting it up online and call yourself doing something. Because you're not. I'm telling you, the more work you put in now, the easier it's going to be later on. But with that said, folks, brushfeeder.org slash training calendar. Get in on the training. Get a lot of dates up there. Would love to see all of you in class in a training environment that is like none other in the world. Cheers, folks. God bless all of you. This is NC Scout out.